the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, I'll just tell you right off the front end, tonight's message is called Surrounded by God. Surrounded by God. When I was playing peewee football, up in Whitehaven where I grew up, they used to have this thing where they would put you, you know, all the guys got their pads on and we're hitting and all this stuff and they would, they had a thing called bull in the ring. And if you did something wrong, they would put you in the middle with a football and you was in the ring and all the other football players were surrounding you and they all got numbers. The coach would go by and give them the number secretly. And then he would start calling numbers. One, you had to turn and see... Which one was coming at you? And they were going to try to hit you. And you had to hit them. And he'd call four. And you'd look around and you'd hit that guy six. And you'd hit this guy. And you're just hitting everybody. And you stay in that ring long. You're, you're, you know, the, the, he starts calling them numbers faster. And then one, one time he called the numbers faster. And I could turn around. I'm hitting this one guy. And this other guy just nails me right in the kidneys. And I went down. And I actually went to the hospital with bruised kidneys that night. Do you guys feel like the world around us is starting to be like a big game of bull in the ring? <laughs> is anybody but me watching? Do y'all watch the news every now and then? Don't do it too often, but just don't watch the news. Holy, <laughs> it's like them numbers are being called, you know. Well, watch over here, <laughs> you know, and you, everybody's trying to get their licks in on you. And it's, it's not just on the TV, it's not just the politics in this society, it's not all that stuff, it's, sometimes it's at your job, it's meeting the bills, it's uh, raising children, it's raising a spouse, somebody might say, <laughs> and you feel like you, you, you're limping away with a bruised kidney, you know, what in the world's going on, I got hit in the back, I wasn't expecting that, you know, it can get kind of rough out there. I saw a guy on, on the news the other day was wearing a t-shirt. Now this is, this is almost too rude to even say. But it says, if Jesus comes back, we'll kill him again. Well, he, they ain't going to kill him the next time he comes back. <laughs> I got news for him. But that's the kind of society that we are living in. Um, people, there's no restraint. They're ungodly. They're unreasonable. I, I find myself praying all the time, Lord, deliver me from wicked and unreasonable people. Because you never know where they're going to show up. And you can just look in society today and see there's plenty of them. I was looking at a, a, a video of the shooting in Las Vegas. You know, something came on Facebook or something. I was watching the video, live footage, and, uh, they had like a little blog thing or something over to the side, you know, where people are commenting live or whatever. Um, don't don't read those. <laughs> but, but I did, huh? No, that was in Dallas. That was today. 
Okay, let's start over again. Let's go back to praise and worship. <laughs> Lord, help them, Jesus. That breaks my heart. Lord, be with those families. If there's anybody to save and heal, do it, Lord. Father, help us, Lord. What kind of world are we living in? Forgive that guy for wearing that T-shirt. Forgive those guys for making those T-shirts, Lord. Turn their hearts, though, Lord. Don't just leave them out there. But anyway, I was watching that thing, and I looked up there, and at the very top, one guy had written, God bless those families who lost loved ones in this terrible tragedy. And I was like, yeah. And the next guy says, God, God's the one that caused this. And then the next guy says, if I can be so rude, F this. I never knew so many words started with F. but, <clears throat> And they just started railing on God. Like all of that was God's fault. Hatred spewing. And how dare this guy say bless the family or, or pray for anybody. Because God is at fault here clearly in their understanding. And I was like, oh my goodness. This is worse than I had imagined. The Bible says in Psalms 14.1, only fools say in their heart, there is no God. We got a lot of fools here in America, obviously. And I thought when, while they were while they were saying all these things, and I didn't want to look at it, but I was drawn to it to see the depravity of how far we've fallen. And so I just wanted to read just a little bit to see, is this true? Is this just one guy or is this a bunch of them? And he had more help on his team than the guys trying to defend the faith had on their team. As far as, it was obviously just, anytime there's a blog, people are just going to automatically argue over something. And these people, what I keep trying to get to? Oh, I kept thinking, the very same hatred and vitriol that you're spewing is probably what led that shooter to kill all those people. It's not God, it's the hatred and the, the absence of morality and absence of God that causes the evil that's going on in society. And you getting on here blaming God and showing the same kind of hatred that would cause a man just to shoot folks at random. Could it get, is this strange to anybody? I don't mean to get you down tonight. But I'm glad I'm surrounded by God. I'm glad I don't have to venture into that world. I'm glad I don't live in that world. I can venture in there just to see what's going on so I can pray for them. That's all I got to do. I can stay, out. I can stay surrounded by God. I can stay under the wings of the Almighty. In His shelter... Only fools say in their heart there is no God. They're corrupt and their actions are evil and not one of them does good. But they're pointing fingers at everybody else. But not one of them does good, the Bible says. They don't believe in God. They're not doing anything good. They're totally self-consumed. 2 Thessalonians 3, 2, the Apostle Paul says, pray for us that we might be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith. He tells you which ones are the unreasonable and the wicked ones, the ones without faith. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. See, that's what we can't forget. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not, his thoughts are higher than ours. He is so much 
more beautiful, more glorious than anything man can produce. But the Lord is faithful. Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one? Let me read that again. The Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you, surround you, so that the evil one can't get you. Amen? But I don't know, in case there's any fools in here tonight, I thought we could, maybe we could get together after the service and we could make a plan to run this earth ourselves. What do you think? Tawana, I want you to be in charge of the sun rising in the morning. And make sure it's on time, you know, make sure it matches up with the weatherman says. Make sure, I want you to make sure that the sun rises in the morning. Dorinda, let's see, I got some for you. I want you to make sure that the earth stays on its axis. And it spins at the right angle so it doesn't get too hot or too cold. And when it goes around the sun and makes this orbit and everything, it needs to be 365 days. Alright, so there's a lot of stuff to that. I can get you a video, you can work on it, alright? <clears throat> Don, let's see, I got something for you. I want you to water all the plants and all the grass and the trees and everything. You'll have to work on that dew thing. It'll have to come back up. and then Somehow the water's filtered and it comes back down pure and stuff. So you'll you be working on that. All the reservoirs, we'll put that on you. Miss Brenda, I want, you to, I want you to watch the gravity switch. Keep an eye on it. If you see anybody flinging off the earth or anything, we'll know you're not, you fell asleep on the job. All right, so you're watching gravity, all right? Let's see, who can we get to hold back the oceans from flooding the surface of the earth? Uh, let's see. You'll have to be responsible for the tides and the currents, and you'll have to work with whoever we put in charge of the moon because it's got the gravitational pull that causes the tides and, and all those things. You'll learn as, I, I figure we'll learn as we go. It might be a little rocky here on earth the first few days, but we'll figure it out. Who needs God, right? Tiffany, Tiffany, oh, we got, she don't want to leave you out. I got something for you, Tiffany. We want you to control the magma and the lava that's just seething beneath the surface of the earth. Make sure it doesn't all come out at once, all right? You might need some gloves for that. All right. <clears throat> Cecilia, uh, what about you take the movement of the tectonic plates and stuff? Make sure things, you know, don't rub too hard. <laughs> she said, I don't even know how to wash dishes. <laughs> now, who wants to be in charge of taking all the prayer requests and all the, the uh, distress calls, millions of them that come in simultaneously? You'll have, to you'll have to respond to all the people down here on the earth so you can help folks out. Who wants? Jumping Johnny, you want to take care of all the prayers? Still. <laughs> All right, we'll get you a partner. Y'all two can take a couple million apiece. You know, shouldn't be more than a couple million at a time. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Now there you go. But we we're trying to do this without him. It's just showing we can. All right. All right. Who's going to feed the animals and all the fish? Chloe. All of them. All right. Then we're going to have to discuss who's going to design the ever-expanding universe because when God said, let there be light, he didn't say it's for it to stop. And even scientists agree that the universe is still expanding at the speed of light. So all those new, at the speed of light, all those new planets and universes or stuff are being uh, created. So we're going to need somebody to make that look beautiful as, as God has done the rest of it. So 
You might need some binoculars or something, good binoculars for that. But anyway, that, that's kind of ridiculous sounding, isn't it? But that's, that's no more ridiculous than what the world has come up with, and excuses why that, you know, we just come from a big mysterious bang and, and nothing appeared from something. Proverbs 26 says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. In other words, most men are going to say, look at me. But a faithful man, who can find? A faithful man is hard to find. You might say a faithful woman. Where are you going to find one? Well, I know one good, one good example. Jesus. He was intensely faithful. Even after the Roman soldiers came and got him and roughed him up real good and they brought him to Pilate and was trying to have a court and get him crucified. And he's standing before Pilate in John 19.10. It says he, didn't, he wouldn't say a word. Jesus just sitting there, just calm, collected. <laughs> you know, Clint Eastwood and what's his name, Chuck Norris and, and all those cool cat movie stars, they got nothing on Jesus. Pilate's supposed to be in charge. He's supposed to be intimidating. He, you're supposed to shake in his presence. And Jesus is just sitting there. And, and it upsets Pilate. Pilate says, why don't you talk to me? You do realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you. <laughs> you know, I got the power. And then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. See, Jesus understood something. Jesus understood the sovereignty, sovereignty of our Father in heaven. He understood that the Father is in control, God's got a plan, and God's going to make sure His plan gets done. And so it wasn't no sense getting all bent out of shape about anything. He can go through this life with perfect peace. Have you ever seen anybody else sleep in the middle of a boat that's sinking? Jesus did. I mean, he's got 15,000 or so people out there in the wilderness and there ain't no food. And they're all looking to him. You'd think, I have, what are we going to do? Nothing. Wasn't worried a lick. Jesus knew if the Father said go to the other side, we're going to the other side. Didn't matter if he had a boat. <laughs> he said I'll walk on the water <laughs> he wasn't concerned because he knew if God said it that settles it it's going to happen if you have the faith to walk in it and believe it I guess the of course the biggest example of his faithfulness was on the cross or in the garden when he made the decision that he was going through with everything. We sweat great drops of blood. And he said, Father, your will be done, not mine. Now, if I had my way. <laughs> but I'm willing. I'm faithful. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. And then, after he's dragged that big old cross up there and he's nailed him to it and he's hanging there and he's 
been beaten with the cat of nine tails and he's barely hanging on to life itself, God pours the wrath of our sin all upon Jesus. The disgusting filth that mankind has perpetrated or ever will perpetrate all poured on Jesus just to the point where Jesus, who had never been away from the Father, ever cries out, my God, why have thou forsaken me? I mean, to his, for, as a human here on earth, fully God, but fully human, the human in him says, man, there can't be no God in this. There's no God in this. What's being poured out on me? What these humans have done? What these people have done to one another? My God, why have you forsaken me and put me in the middle of this? I know you can't even look on me, Father. But then he still said, into thine hands I commit my spirit. He can't see it. He can't feel it. If anything, this is the first time he's ever been away from God, the Father. And he's, he feels so alone on that cross. Paying the, the penalty for our sins. Can't, in his mind, he can't imagine that God has not forsaken him. But in his heart, he knows the character of his Father. And though it don't sure don't feel like it, I know I can trust you with my spirit. I can trust you with where I'm going after this. I can trust you with my eternity. Man, that's big. That is faithful. That is, that is walking by faith and not by sight right there. Not by your feelings. See, so many of us, it's like, well, I don't feel, feel like it. And we ruled by our feelings. Or I can't see it. I, I can't, if I can't see it, I can't be it. You know, I, I, our, our senses, we're sense, sensory ruled people. But faith says the Word of God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. No matter what anybody else says, I'm trusting God. Job was also faithful. He was a fine example of a faithful man who in the prime of life had everything. He's serving God with all his heart. There's no reason for all this stuff to happen to him, but he loses his children. He loses his wealth. He loses his health. And he's stuck with his wife who just says, curse God and die. And I mean, he's sitting there scratching himself with pottery, boils on his body, and he's got these three friends all coming up with God's like this and God's like that. And if you read the first 37 chapters of Job, you're like, these guys are pretty smart until you get to the 38th chapter where God says, you guys don't know what you're talking about. He, God finally had enough in chapter 38. He said, where was you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where was you? He, and he goes on for four chapters telling them, where was you? But see, Job, in the midst of his pain and suffering and all that he had lost, he had lost everything that except his wife. In Job 13, 15, he said, Though God slay me, yet I will trust him. 
I will trust him no matter what it looks, smells, tastes like, feels like. I don't care what anybody else says, these three knuckleheads over here. I don't care what my wife says. I am not going to curse God. Though he slay me, I will trust him. If you lost everything, now this is a big question. If it's big to you or not, I don't know. But if you're serious about it, what if you lost everything right now? Just imagine that for a moment. Okay, I know you've been working at this job, you're looking for that promotion, or you, you've been sparking on this girl or this boy or something, and you're looking to get married, or you've you got hopes for a family or your kids at this stage, and you're looking forward to this. I know you've got hopes, and, and you guys are God-fearing people, and good things are happening in your lives, and you're handling the tough things with faith and courage, but what if, through no fault of your own, you lost everything? What if everything collapsed just like it did for Job? Your kids are gone. Your bank account is gone. You lose your house. You lose the car you've been waiting for. Everything is gone. What if tomorrow you are on the street with nothing? What if the church forsaked you? What if, they, what if all this happened to you and you came to the church and said, Pastor Guy, you got to help me. And I said, we ain't got time. And ran you off. What if your trusted man of God fails you? What if you had nothing? Would you leave God? Would you, would you blame God? Job could have blamed God. He didn't understand. He kept asking God, why did this happen? But in the end, he said, God, even if you did cause this, though you slay me, if you're the one doing this, I will still trust in you. You know, I had a dream one time that I, I died and I went to heaven and I got there and Jesus was not God. It was uh, Muhammad. That we, I, all my life and everything that I had given was in the wrong direction. And Muhammad was being nice and said, come on into my heaven. I know you believed in Jesus and a lot of people got fooled, but you come on into heaven. In my dream. And I mean, that's final. That's pretty final. You're in heaven now. It's over with, right? But I looked Muhammad in the eye. And I said, I will never bow down and worship you. I will worship Jesus if I have to go to hell to do it. In my dream. What is the point where you would leave Jesus? Is there a point that you would leave Jesus? I hope you never have to find that out, of course. Peter stayed. Long after it was... It was popular to follow Jesus. Jesus had just preached this message about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and they didn't get the spiritual principle of that at all. They were just like, oh, yuck, I got to go. And all, his, all the people who had been following Jesus left, and there wasn't but just the, the, the disciples left. Jesus turned and said, will y'all leave too? And he probably halfway expected them to. Peter said, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And though we don't understand, I will still follow you. 
We're staying with you, Jesus. We're staying. We have made up our mind. We are staying with you. Okay, we know he denied him three times later, but that was in the flesh. But his heart stayed with Jesus through the denial into the renewal. We all make mistakes sometimes. And Peter almost ran away from Jesus like we talked about Sunday. But Jesus came and looked for him. And when he did, Jesus, Peter jumped out that boat because his heart was still for the Lord. Amen? What is our faith in? Is it in our strength? What are you counting on to get you to that promotion? What are you counting on to get you to that job or to that, that spouse or, or to raise your children or all these things we're talking about, to pay your bills? Is it... Do you look to your job as your source of income? Do you look to your spouse as your source of fulfillment? He completes me. What are you looking to? We look to our strength, our own strengths sometimes. This is what, I'm a man's man. This is how, you know, I did all this myself. That's what we're taught here in the United States, right? But I thought to myself, you know, I'm six foot four, 230 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. And no, I'm just, <laughs> just trying to get a laugh. All right, we know that's not true. But I am a big man, and I got some physical strength, got a wee little mental strength, you know, can, can handle myself in some. But I thought, you know, it wasn't long ago that I stayed up most of the night because a mosquito was in my room. <laughs> a mosquito! One little mosquito, and, I, and I'm, I've got the covers over my head. I can't breathe under here, and I had to get back. And then I hear, and I cut the light on, and I'm looking for it. All night, I'm, I'm worried about that mosquito biting me. A grown man. And I think, boy, that's not very strong. One mosquito just derailed my life like that. But God created that mosquito. God knows that mosquito's name. God put the blood veins in a mosquito. <laughs> Think about that. The central nervous system in that mosquito. God is, can get down into the cracks and crevices that I'll never get to, and he's bigger than this universe that he has created. God is where our strength must lie. Am I making any sense to you? The apostle Paul knew this when he boasted, I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? I can, I can be abased. I can abound. See, he said, I'm, I've learned the secret is to be content. See, when we get our eyes fixed on the things of this world, what happens? We get our heart broke and we get, we're up and down on this roller coaster, keeping up with the Joneses and all that. He said, I, no, I just learned to be content with God. He is enough for me. I, I've learned to be hungry, but yet full at the same time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes you you got to understand the strength comes to get through the hard times. It's not just, you know, I'm a believer now, nothing ever is going to happen. Because you are a believer, you are under attack from the enemy. We must stand strong in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not weaker because we trust in God. We're infinitely stronger because we trust in God. The world wants us to believe that you're weak-minded, you need a crutch, and all that. Yes, I need a crutch. I need to lean on Jesus every step of the way. 
No question. I don't make any apologies. In Philippians 4.12, well, I already said all that. Philippians 1.20, he says, for I, the Apostle Paul, the same guy, he said, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. See, that's what he's concerned about. He's, he's concerned about staying on track, running his race, finishing his course, making Jesus happy, glorifying him, and getting people saved. He had, a, he had an understanding of what life is all about. And he said, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For me, living means living for Christ. And dying, well, that's just a promotion. Dying is even better. See, when a man or a woman dies to this old self, this old nature that you used to be, all your, your aspirations to, to exalt self, if you give up your life for my sake, Jesus said, you will find it. You will find eternal life in me. You'll find a more abundant life when you, when you live for me. And even if you die in the process, it's just a promotion because I'm going to take you up here where I've been, I've been, saved, I've been uh, putting this place together for us so that you can be where I am. I got, I'm up here and I'm, man, it's not even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. Apostle Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt the two, man. I'd much rather go up and be with Jesus, which is far better. But I know you knuckleheads need me, so I'm going to stay down here. And that's the way it kind of is. That's the way a, a balanced Christian understands this life. I've seen a lot of people in the later stages of their life, good, hard, faithful Christian men and women lately, who are ready to go. When it was their time, you, you didn't see them fighting and kicking against it. Oh, what should I do? What should I do? Twiddling their thumbs. Did I do everything right? And basing and everything on their own works and looking back over their life with regrets. No, they were like, I'm ready for the Lord to come back. I'm ready for Him to come get me. Isn't that the way you want to go? Don't you want to? Be able to look at the Lord Jesus when He comes back and gets us without regret. God honors faithfulness. Though a faithful man who can find is, He gets to honor you special because there ain't that many of you. Joshua and Caleb, they were two out of twelve. They went to spy out the promised land. They weren't thinking about what would happen in their own strength. They weren't seeing the giants in there as their giants and we're grasshoppers. That was the other ten earthly people that was basing everything on their strength. But Joshua and Caleb saw things differently. They were men of faith. Same way with David when he went to fight Goliath. He didn't say, I come to you with my little slingshot. He said, I come in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, whom you have defied, and who would deliver you into my hand. The Lord goes before me in battle, basically. The Lord is my strength. He's the one who wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. His rod and his staff comfort me. All three of those men were trusting that the Lord would bring them the victory. Their strength in believing that Romans 8.31 says, For if God be for you, who can be against you? 
That's not just some platitude. That's in the Bible. If God be for you, who can be against you? Who is it just said, Jumping Johnny said, if God was helping me, I could do it. What I, what I assign you to do? Feed the fish or what? Oh, you're supposed to answer all the prayers. Well, I tell you what, you can help God with that. You <laughs> but you're right. With Him, all things are possible. But without Him, you can do nothing. Jesus suffered on the cross to prove the lengths that He would go to to make up for our unfaithfulness. But let's not stay that way. 2 Timothy 10 2.10, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 2.10 says, Apostle Paul still talking, says, so I am willing to endure anything. See, he had, he had a warrior's heart. He wasn't scared of opposition. He wasn't scared of circumstances. He knew God was for him. I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. If I can win some. If I can help somebody else find this life that I have found. This is a trustworthy saying, he said. If we die with him, we shall also live with him. And if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. This is the one I wanted to get to. If we are unfaithful, he will be unfaithful too. No, see, he can't be unfaithful, even if we mess it up. If we're unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot, cannot deny who he is. Who is our God? He's faithful. Isn't that the name they're going to write on him? Faithful and true when he comes back on the white horse? He's faithful. And He will always be faithful, even when we're not. He will remain faithful. That's good. The Bible is a giant story of God's faithfulness. The whole thing is trying to get you to believe Him, to trust Him. Can't you see time and time again He did what He said He was going to do? Does your life have a chapter or two of faithfulness in it? Is there a chapter in your life? Are you working on one? You got a page, maybe a paragraph? faithfulness I know we're all baby faithfulers but we got to grow in our faith faithfulness and it comes from practice I, I know some of you are probably saying you know I believe if the situation were to arise I would be faithful if my life were worth a million bucks I would I would pour it all out for Jesus I, even if it meant me becoming a martyr I believe if the situation were to arise, I, I would be faithful. I would lay down my life. Well, I think dying is fine. But what about we live for Him in the meantime? How about we not just lay all million dollars down at once, wait till some day that it may or may not come? How about we dole out some of this money that is our life, 25 cents here, 50 cents here, a smile, a hug, a visit to the nursing home here. How about we live out some of this faithfulness every day? A hug, a smile, a something. 
How about we not just hope that we'll be found faithful, but how about we just know that we are faithful? I'm preaching real good for a Wednesday night. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God trying to talk to us. There was this little boy walking along the beach, and he's finding these starfish that have been washed up on the beach, and he's throwing them back in the water. And he's walking, and he's walking, he's finding them, keeps throwing them back in the water. He walks about a mile, and finally this old fella comes down and said, Son, why are you throwing those back in? He said, Well, sir, if they wash up like this, when the sun comes up tomorrow morning, it'll scorch them and they'll dry up and die. He said, Boy, this beach goes on for miles. I imagine there's thousands of those starfish. That doesn't even matter what you're doing. He said, It matters to this one. It matters to this one. Don't let anybody tell you what you're doing don't matter. Don't let the devil come in and try to dissuade you from that 10 cent act of kindness that you showed somebody. That's faithfulness. <laughs> Mother Teresa, she, had a, she was working at this terminal child's home where all the kids in there were dying. And it was, it was sad this senator came in and he wanted to stay with her a week and see what she was doing. And so he stayed and saw how she cared and loved on these children, but they were dying all around. They didn't have long to live, some of them. It, it was just heart-wrenching. And he said, I don't, I don't know how you do this, Mother Teresa. I mean, it just doesn't seem successful. And she looked at him, she said, God didn't call me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. And what you're doing, it matters. The little acts of kindness and things. How could Moses stand firm? He got his back to the Red Sea and all the world, the devil's armies are coming after him. I mean, I'd be looking for a life raft or something. But you're leading probably two million people out there in the wilderness with your back against the Red Sea and the uh, army big enough to wipe all of you out on the way to get you. And all the people are turning on you. See, Moses knew a little thing or two about faith. Moses recognized in the midst of where it seemed no escape that actually he was surrounded by God. He had learned that they were going to follow a cloud by day and a fire by night. That God was going to be with them. It's like that, who was it? I can't remember the prophet. The, the little junior prophet said, man, there's a, the whole army's out there. They're going to get us. And he said, God opened his eyes and let him see the chariots of fire. There's more of us than there is of them. I can't remember which prophet it was. Elijah? We're surrounded by God. Well, you say, well, pastor, show me in the scripture. Okay, Psalms 34, verse 7. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Psalms 139, 5 says, You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me behind and before. He's my rear guard and he goes before me in battle. Amen? 
Zechariah 5.2 says, For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire around here, and I will be the glory in her midst. Talking about Israel. Psalms 125.2 says, Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. The Lord surrounds his people. Moses was there. Everybody was panicking in Exodus 14.10. I'm about to close. It says, As Pharaoh approached the armies of Egypt, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. There was nothing wrong with crying out to the Lord, but I hope you got a little faith in it when you do it. And they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Man, 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 didn't you? We tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Corpse in the wilderness. I just want to tell them, shut up. It sounds like most of our news programs complain, complain, complain with no thought of ever helping. Stirring the pot. Just shut up. <laughs> you know, your mama used to tell you if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. That's good advice. Go home and honor your mother and father for that. But Moses told the people, see, Moses is a man of faith. They stand out. In the crowd. He said, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stop panicking. Just stop stirring up stuff. Psalms 32, 7 says, For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord sings over us. He surrounds us with songs of victory. And He, he wants us to sing songs of victory back. You know, once they went through on the dry ground across the Red Sea, they got to the other side, then they got the tambourines out and they sang a song. And they praise the Lord for the victory on the other side. But how about as mature Christians who have seen Jesus Christ die on the cross and raised from the dead, now that we know what we know, why don't we praise Him on this side? Why don't we praise Him on the journey through the Red Sea, through the valley of the shadow of death? Why ain't we praising Him all the time? Why ain't we singing songs of deliverance and victory all the way through? Let's bring this on, Brother Richard. Let's close the service like this. Go ahead and stand up. This is how I fight my battles. 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 Sing it. This is how I fight my battles. This is 
This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. You know, I feel like there were supposed to be more people here tonight. And I feel like maybe there's a big attack going on in their lives and there's distractions. And, and I heard from some of you, you just barely made it here tonight. But you broke through and, and you overcome. And you got to live your life like that. You got to refuse to give the enemy an inch. Because once he gets an inch, he, 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 it's an inch with a hook in it. And he's pulling and he's pulling and he's pulling and he's trying to get us a grip on your life. And he wants to pull you out of your faithfulness. He wants to pull you back into that old dead casket that you came out of. And, he, and God's like, no, no, no. And some of you, you're like, I had to come by myself tonight. If you got to come by yourself, just keep coming. You say, I'm, I'm inviting people, but they won't show. That's all right. Keep inviting people. This is how winning is done. We just keep getting back up. A good man falls seven times, but he keeps getting back up. A good man tries seven times and doesn't find victory, but he tries again. We are persistent because we are intent on giving God glory in our lives. And God sees you giving that 10%. God, see, I mean, not 10 cents, not the 10%. <laughs> Unless it's a tithe, of course. 
But God sees you, the, the little hugs and the smiles and the little things that you're doing that, that turn in the other cheek sometimes when people aren't getting it. And He knows that you want them to get it and they just ain't getting it. And you're going to have to, you're going to, have to follow the Holy Spirit. And they'll get it. God will show you the way. Stay with Him every step. I know we're gone late tonight, but thank you guys for being a faithful crew. You know, if, if it wasn't for faithful people, we wouldn't have a church. If it weren't for faithful people, uh, we'd be dispersed a long, long time ago. And if it wasn't, that, that's pr pretty much, you know, a mosquito can whoop me, you know. But the one thing that I have tried to be since I got saved because of my love for Jesus is faithful. And, and I don't know how I got to be pastor, but it's just because I showed when nobody else did. And I, and I did what had to be done when I was the only one. And that's what God wants to do. He, he's taking good records. He knows what you're doing. If you're faithful with the little, He'll make you ruler over much. Don't look at the things which are seen, but look at the things which are not seen. He's collecting your tears in bottle in heaven. He, he knows. He knows. He keeps good records of, of your faithfulness. So be encouraged. Keep doing the right thing. Amen? Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.